Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today we are continuing the series that we've called I Am, and I'm just going to do a brief, brief uh, review. I just want to encourage you. I'm telling you, get online, watch the other messages. They will, they will bless you. But we got the title from what God told Moses when God spoke to Moses in the burning bush. He wanted to deliver his people. How many of you know God doesn't like when his people are bound? He wants to deliver them. So he calls a person. He calls Moses, and he does this by a burning bush. And Moses looks and talks to God and he says, well, I need a name. Who should I say sent me? Because my name isn't going to move anything or anyone. And in Exodus chapter three, verse 14, we get the title of this series. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent you. That is the Hebrew word Yahweh. Everybody say that. Say Yahweh. It means existing one. And I love this because in the New Testament, the Pharisees were accusing Jesus of actually um, uh, uh, functioning under demonic power. And so they talked to him and they wanted to know who he is. And there again, Jesus reveals a name, John eight fifty eight. Jesus said to them, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. This word also, Yahweh, means redeemer, deliverer, savior. Say that with me. Redeemer, deliverer, savior. Why is that important? Because every name that we go through comes out of this name, Yahweh, that is Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior. And so what's so amazing about God, and I love this study because he has a name for every situation that you have in your life. I think that's so good because oftentimes what you'll see in the scriptures is when God's people needed saving or delivering, here's what God will do. He just reveal a name to them. He'll reveal a name. And so God will reveal another fact of his character that was represented in his name. And so as we understand his names, what happens is we start to deepen our understanding of who God is. It's one, it's part of our vision. We want you to know God. And listen, not in a religious way. We want you to experience him. We want you to know him. Just like you know your kid, just like you know when your kid is crying, you know their voice, you, you, you know him. But when we break down the names, it helps us to know his character and that is associated with his names. How many of you know you cannot separate God's name and his character because they are one? So I believe it's important for us to know that when you are reading a passage of scripture, that you are reading and looking and and seeing God, what name are you revealing in this scripture? It's going to help us to know God. I want you to turn in your Bibles today as we start part five to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 44. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 44. Now today, we're going to talk about a very familiar story, uh, David and Goliath. And I want to tell you that as a communicator, sometimes it's a little tough to talk about familiar stories because as we read them, everybody's already predicting what the Holy Spirit wants to do because they've read the story. Can I just encourage you today to open up your heart and let's not limit God by predicting what he wants to do through this story because you already know the outcome. But I believe that God can give us a fresh revelation today because his word is alive. 
Come on. Amen. Amen. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 44, it's the ultimate underdog story. David was in his early teens. Goliath was about nine feet tall and they were in a valley and they are both staring at each other. Let's pick it up in verse 44. It says, and the Philistine, which is Goliath said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name. Hmm, that's the, that would be a good series to talk about God's name, wouldn't it be? Here's what happens. When you read these stories, you can read them and you can come to an outcome. But I'm telling you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you read this, God can show you something different. Because I've watched this. I've read this so many times. I've preached this so many times. But when I was reading this, I said, wow, Holy Spirit, you are illuminating and highlighting to me that David came to Goliath with a name. Come on, somebody. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the armies of Israel, who you have defiled. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses, uh, the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. Everybody say that with me today. Say sword and spear. We're going to look at something today. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into my hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. See, David is teaching us you don't run from your giants. You run to them because you have a name. I thought I'd get a better amen than that, but that's all right. He says, God does not save with sword or spear for the battle is the Lord and he will give you into my hands. And so it was when the Philistines arose and came and drew near to meet David, David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slug it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Watch this. But there was no sword in David's hand. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew out his sheet and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. What an incredible story. What an incredible story of God's power. I think that when you read this story, it's easy to make this story about two individuals. It's David and Goliath. And truth be told, if you were to look in the valley, that's what you would see. You would see David and Goliath. But let me just encourage you today, and I want to help us today, because the reality of it is, is there is more than meets the eye in this story. You also not only have two people or two individuals, you also have two armies. You have the Philistine army and you have God's people and their army, both standing on sides of the hill and David and Goliath are in the valley. Now I want to tell you what's at stake because this battle isn't, listen, it wasn't just for mere reputation. It wasn't for a trophy. It wasn't just for notoriety. This battle was between the people of God and the enemy of God's people, the Philistines. 
And here's what was at stake. David said that all may know God, that all may know the God of Israel. So there was more than meets the eye. Let me say it this way. There was more significance to the battle than what we see. There was advancement at stake. There was territory at stake. How many of you know that God wants our church to occupy territory in Marietta? God wants you not just to rent. He wants you to own a home and occupy territory in Marietta. Do you know that I might be the only Christian in my neighborhood, but thank God I own my home and I own my home and I occupy a little piece of California, but it's territory. And God wants you to have territory. Come on, you need to receive that today. And so there's the reality is that the Philistines wanted the, the God's children not to occupy territory. But when you have a battle in your life, I want you to know that there's more significance to the battle than what you see. What do I mean, Pastor Phil? Let me give you an example. Today you may be married and you have arguments with your wife. You have arguments with your spouse or your husband. You need to understand something. That the enemy is not just trying to destroy your marriage. He's trying to destroy even your future family. Because there's more significance to the battle than what is seen. You may be today believing God for God to give you a child, right? Your own son, your own daughter. Can I just encourage you? Don't give up. Keep on fighting in faith. You know why? It's not just about a child. It's about a legacy for your family. Come on. Can I hear a better amen than that? There is a battle right now for the souls of men and souls of women. Listen, it's not just a battle of who's going to do good and who's going to do bad. That's not what the battle is about. The battle is about eternity, where people will spend eternity. That's what the battle's for. So I'm just trying to get into you today that there's more significance to the battle than what is seen. I'm always aware when I disagree with my wife, right? And I say I disagree with my wife because she's always right. (laughs) Father's Day was so good because, like, it was one day where I get to decide stuff. She's like, can we go here? I was like, hold on. It's Father's Day. I get one day to make some decisions. Come on, somebody. You want to go over there? I just get one, I get one day and listen, I'm going to take advantage of the whole day. It was 1159 and we were laying in our bed. I'm like, honey, it's still father's day. I thought I'd get a better amen from the men in this room, but that's all right. I understand your wife sitting right next to you, (laughs) but I understand when there's a disagreement that this isn't just a disagreement that this could open the door for the enemy. And you need to be aware of that, that the battle is bigger than what we visualize and what we see. So standing between David and the children of Israel was freedom. And standing between their freedom was a giant. Listen, this giant had a name. His name was Goliath. Goliath in the Hebrew means this, to strip, to make naked, to leave you bare, to reveal, reveal weakness, to remind you primarily of your shame. All of that in a name. 
So what Goliath does when he comes into your life, when he came against the children of Israel, he comes to reveal weakness. He comes to reveal insecurity. He comes to reveal your inability, and he tries to shame you. He tries to shame you. Now, you may be in a battle right now in your life. Can I just tell you, you may be facing a giant, and your giant also has a name. It could have a name called fear. Maybe that's the battle you're facing. For some people, their giant is anxiety. Other people deeply have a giant called shame that they are battling against. Other people, it's failure. Your giant's name is failure. Other people, it's the giant of addiction. Other people could be abuse. That's the name of your giant. But here's what you need to know about giants is they always appear impossible to defeat. Visibly, when you look at them in the physical, they always appear impossible to defeat. Why? Obviously, they're bigger than you. But let me just tell you this. Their presence is overwhelming. Have you ever faced a giant? Have you ever faced one that's overwhelming? Listen, Goliath was nine feet tall. His armor weighed more than David. And because the children of Israel were so focused on Goliath's appearance, they allowed the, the Goliath's size to eclipse the size of their God. I want to say that again. Because they were so focused on Goliath's appearance and the visible, they allowed the Goliath's size to eclipse the size of their God. You know, this is actually how we lose battles, my church family. Something small can easily eclipse something larger. Let me give you an example. Today, if I were to go out and I would look at the sun, the massive size of the sun, it's massive. It's huge. But if I were to take a quarter out of my pocket and put that quarter right in the middle of, right in my right eye like this and look at the sun, the quarter would actually eclipse the size of the sun. And so the reality of it was, is that the quarter represents Goliath. The sun represents God. And so what happened was men saw Goliath, but David saw God. And so you can look at it and you can see things in the physical. You can look at what's visible, but I want to encourage you that we have to not just look at what man sees. We have to look at what God sees. And so these are two two totally different perspectives. Are you glad you came to church today? Let me say it this way. David saw the spiritual reality behind the physical problem. Perspective is everything. You know, Paul tells us in his letter to the church at Ephesus that our perspective on the ultimate reality ought to come from another location. In other words, this is what Paul was writing to the uh, Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2, 6. He says, God has raised us up. Say, I am raised up. Come on, can you say it louder? God has raised me up. He says, we are raised up with Christ and seated. He has seated us with him in heavenly places. This, this term heavenly places refers to the spiritual realm. So you and I think about this. We are located in two places. You are here physically, but spiritually you are seated in heavenly places far above. This is what we talked about last week. My church family, as I prayed this week, I prayed about what to talk about, and I I felt like this message goes directly along with what we talked about next week, last week. 
And I'm going to tell you why. I believe God is trying to get into his people to stop looking at the physical, stop looking at what is visible, and start looking at God and start looking at the spiritual. And so today he is emphasizing again another name. See, we exist physically here on earth, but we're also seated with Christ in heaven. And 1 John 4, 17 says, for as he is, so are we in this earth. Every time the enemy tries to put sickness on me, I confess this. As he is, so am I in this earth. Is Jesus sick in heaven? No, he's not sick in heaven. Is Jesus poor in heaven? No, he's not poor in heaven. And the Bible says you are seated in heavenly places. And as he is, so are you in this world. And you need to make that confession because we can get so focused and so distracted on everything that is going on in the earth. But thank God, I'm not just a physical being. I am a spiritual being and I am seated next to Christ. I am seated with him in heavenly places. And as he is, so are we in this world. So I wonder what Goliath looked like from heaven. From heaven's perspective, as a matter of fact, Goliath wasn't a giant at all. And I think what happens is giants rule many of our hearts and our homes today because we've lost the ability to look beyond what we see in order to view the spiritual reality surrounding it. And what looks impossible with men is actually possible with God. When you continue to look at the physical and only the natural, you will always see impossibility. But when you look at God, God takes the impossible and he makes it possible. I want to say that again. He can take what man thinks is impossible and make it possible. So giants, they always appear impossible to feed. But here's another thing you need to know about giants. They're not silent. They will speak to you. They will talk to you. 1 Samuel 17, 10. And the Philistine, Goliath, he said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Listen, Goliath came out and was defying the armies of Israel 40 days, 40 nights. He would talk smack. Come on, somebody. Now, I'm a king at talking smack. I'll tell you what, you play basketball with me, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not that good, but I'll get inside your head. I can dribble a little bit. Come on, I can do a little bit of a layup. But as you're going for it, I'm going to talk about your mama. Come on, somebody. And when you miss a shot, oh, I'm going to talk about how you, you know, I, I'm just going to go for it. Because I, I, honestly, I'm not that good. But I understand the power of words. See, you have to understand, and you know this, that giants will speak to you. Your failure is talking to you, and it will say, why try again? You are a failure. How many of you know just because you have failed doesn't make you a failure? Just because you've made a mistake doesn't mean you are a mistake, but your giants will continue day and night to speak to you. Shame whispers, oh, there's no forgiveness for you. You're the exception. Yeah, Jesus died for everybody else's sins, but not yours. Shame will speak. Addiction says you can't be free. Cancer says, hey, I'm spreading. I'm spreading. I'm going to spread all over your body. Come on, the giants speak. Have you ever heard them speak? And they don't shut up. 
That's why David knew, I got to talk back to them. You can't just be passive with your giants because Goliath's whole goal is that you lose the battle in your mind and you never show up to fight. Listen, oh, they didn't just see Goliath, they heard him. And can I submit to you, my church family, more often than not, it is the hearing that happens first before the seeing. Because a lot of us are envisioning what we see by what we hear. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But as faith comes to us as a substance to give us evidence of what we can see, fear will do the exact same thing. The doctor will say and give you a diagnosis that you hear and maybe you don't have a picture of, but you will go on Google and look at it and go, oh my gosh, it says I'm going to die in two hours. And so what do you do? You visualize yourself dead. Some of you will self-diagnose and you look at the symptoms and you don't have the symptoms, but when you look at them, you start to have the symptoms. Don't shout me down because I'm not a doctor, but I do go to Google. And what I'm saying is giants speak to you. And when failure talks, be careful because now you can start to see yourself. What does my life look like as a failure? It's amazing how we will do this with the negative, but we won't do this in faith. When we hear God's word and he talks about us more than a conqueror, we don't start seeing ourselves with being conquering like more than a conqueror. When we are believing for what we're believing for, when we were, our, our, my wife and I, when we lived in an apartment for seven years, we were believing God for a house. We prayed, but my church family, we stood on God's promises and we saw ourselves in a house. Can I hear a good amen today? And so what I'm saying to you is that fear's going to speak and it's not going to be <laughs> silent. Let me just tell you something about fear real quick. Fear has a voice and it's going to speak to you. Don't be surprised who fear speaks through. It wasn't just Goliath that was speaking fear. The king of God's people, Saul, Saul was speaking fear too. Can I tell you something? Fear oftentimes seems intelligent. Fear oftentimes seems like it's all the facts. 1 Samuel 17, verse 33, David goes before Saul because he wants to fight Goliath. And Saul said to him, listen to this. David, you're not able. You're not able to go against the Philistines. You're not able to fight him. Watch, you are a youth. And he's a man of war from his youth. Fear is speaking. Listen, you can have enablers in your life, and then you can have the not enablers in your life. The people that when you go to church, you say, man, I was blessed today. And as soon as you get on the phone with one of your families, no, you weren't. No, you're not. Maybe not enablers is not a word, but I just made it a word. And you know who I'm talking about. When you're talking about all things are possible, it's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. I'm going to hang out with people who are enabling me and encouraging me to look at God and who he is, not the people that say, you can't do it. Do you know, when we started the church, I had a good friend of mine tell me, you should not be starting. This is, gosh, almost 10, 12 years ago, before we started Passion Life Church, I had a good friend tell me, you're too old to start a church. 
What? What? Yeah, you should, you should have started your, your church a long time ago. Hey, listen, buddy. I'm going to tell you something. I was in my assignment till God told me and released me from that assignment. And God had called me to a church of 50, of 50 youth. There was a church of about 1,000 or 2,000 people, and there was about 50 to 100 youth. And God had called me to plant and build a youth ministry that after 11 years grew to 850 kids, three services on Sunday with youth, one on Wednesday teaching at the Christian school. When we were at 850 students, Students, God had released me to start Passion Life Church. But if we're just going to sit here and look at the physical and the age, well, I want to see what you have to say to Abraham. Because he was, what, 100? Sarah was 90? What I'm telling you is fear can come from influential people. But I have some questions for Saul. Saul... Why don't you fight Goliath? Saul was a soldier. You know, the Bible says that Saul was uh, head and shoulders above everybody else. It wasn't the shampoo that he used. It was, come on, I I couldn't pass that one up. Come on, say pastor jokes. And you'll get better ones if you give more in the offering. Come on, we're joking today. Come on, have a little, come on. I think it's so funny how we can go on Netflix and we'll laugh at everything. And then the pastor says something about money. Like, come on. It's a pastor joke. And they're not that good. Why didn't Saul fight Goliath? The Bible said that Saul was head and shoulders above everybody else. Can I just tell you why Saul wouldn't fight Goliath? Because he was solely focused on what was physical and what was visible. David's age, Goliath's height, Goliath's experience. My church family, faith can sound intelligent and it can speak through influential people. But because of Saul's fear, here's what he did. He looked at David and said, you can't do it. No, Saul, maybe you can't do it. But for me as David, I can do it. Don't put that on me. Just because you have fear, don't put your fear on me. My church family, everybody look at me today. Fear is very contagious. So is faith. Faith is contagious, but so is fear. So is fear. So because of Saul's fear, here's what he tells David. He says, all right, you can do it, but I want you to put my armor on you, David. Listen, I want you to fight with the methods that I use, David. Okay, so I have another question. Saul, if your armor is so great, why aren't you using it to fight the giant? If your armor is so good, why do, and it ensures victory, why aren't you out there fighting Goliath? It's just a question I have. And you know what? David was polite. He tried on the armor, but he said, this armor is not tested. And so David declined to do it Saul's way. Listen, you can never beat Goliath with someone else's perspective of the battle. You can never beat Goliath with someone else's perspective of you. Listen, Saul had an opinion. Saul had a perspective, but David had a revelation. I want to tell you something. Revelation trumps opinion every time. Revelation trumps perspective every time.
every time. So why am I going to listen to you, Saul, if your own perspective of the battle doesn't get you up to fight? Why should I listen to you? You know what I've learned a long time ago? You always look at someone's life before you take their advice. Don't be going to Uncle Freddie, who's had four failed marriages, to find out how to have a good marriage. Uncle Freddie said, Uncle Freddie's been divorced four times, and he's on his fifth wife. It's probably not good to listen to him. Look at somebody's life before you take their advice. And David knew something that I think we need to learn. David knew he could not defeat Goliath with Saul's armor. David chose to fight the battle with his own method and his own tools that he had. He chose to fight Goliath in the anointing that was on his life. David couldn't fight Goliath with Saul's revelation because Saul didn't have one. David couldn't fight Goliath with Saul's anointing because David was anointed. Listen, if you don't have a revelation from God, the most important information you can probably get is from other people's opinions. I'm going to say that again. If you don't have a relationship from, if you don't have a revelation from God, the most information you can possibly get is from other people's opinions. I want to live in revelation. I refuse to wear Saul's armor. I refuse to allow other people's opinions to define my life. I want you to notice something. The Bible highlights twice when we read that David did not kill Goliath with a spear and with a sword. Why? Not that those are wrong, but listen, they were common weapons that were used. See, you need to understand that the anointing that's on your life will always make you uncommon. And you don't need what you think you need. David didn't need a spear. You know, I preached about the stone and the slingshot, and there's something to be said about that because David was prepared. Come on, everybody say preparation. You can prepare all you want, but if you're not anointed, but David was anointed and prepared. And the Bible highlights that not so much the method, the Bible says that he killed Goliath with a, 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 a slingshot and a, and, a, and a stone. But listen, the Bible says that. David did not come to Goliath and say, today I'm going to take a rock and a slingshot and kill you. Here's what David said. David had a revelation. He says, when I come to you today, I come to you in the name of the Lord. The way David beat Goliath was with a personal revelation of God's name. First Samuel 17:45. then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin. That's all visible. That's all physical, but I come to you today in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Whew. So that's the name today that we're talking about. The Lord of hosts. That is Yahweh, Jehovah, 
in the Hebrew, Saba. Everybody say Saba. And it means this, the Lord, our warrior. The Lord. Are you ready? The Lord, the, the definition is this, that goes forth to war. Now, I don't have time today to break everything down because we have this revelation of God is love. Oh, my church family, he is. But he's also a God of war. And you do not want to be against God. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this next week. I'm going to bring some perspective to this. But this is what David said. Are you glad you came today? This is what David said. He said, I come to you. I looked that up in the Hebrew. It means this. I bring in. I carry in. I cause to come in. Watch. So when he went to Goliath, he says, I cause Jehovah Saba to come into this battle. So he says, I come in with the name of the Lord. So you may see a little teenager, but what you don't see is the heavenly host that is with me. And I'm telling you, when God has anointed you, you don't need a spear. You don't need a javelin. God can use a stone to kill a giant when you're anointed by God. And I'm going to tell you, I've read this story many, many years. And, and I had to ask God to forgive me because I said, God, we always focus on, oh, David killed Goliath with a stone and a uh, uh, um, and a slingshot, and we make that the highest thing. That's what God used for the method. But my church family, it was because he came to him in the name of the Lord. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen today? And the Bible says he didn't even use a spear. He didn't even use a sword. Those are okay. Can I just tell you? But in the Bible, there were different methods of killing the Philistines. Do you know that Samson didn't use a slingshot or a, a, a stone? Do you know that Samson used the jawbone of a donkey? Because <laughs> he's anointed. See, we have this idea of what anointing looks like. We are all anointed, but God may use us a little differently. Can I hear a good amen today? See, you think I'm anointed because there's lights. You think I'm anointed because I have a microphone. I stand on the stage. But listen, that's not what gives me my anointing. This is a method. Do you know, um, when I was a youth pastor, I was invited to speak at this event. And there was like 2,000 kids in this, like, um, in this uh, like arena thing. And so they had all these like rock bands, rap bands. And they put me at the end, like, okay, right? And so the reality of it was is the parents invited me because it was a tribute for their son who got killed in a, uh, um, a DUI accident. A drunk driver hit him. And the kid was a, a great kid, Christian kid. And his life, I mean, the 2,000 people that were there were there because they knew him because he lived such a godly life. And so they asked me to end it all after all the bands. And so, you know, here are these kids and they're like, all right, give it up. You know, they have all these rock bands or whatever, you know, <laughs> give it up for a screamer, dreamer or whatever. And, you know, they come out and, they're, and the kid's like, yeah. And they're like, here's Pastor Phil. You know, you know what I mean? It's like, and so here, here I come out and 2000 kids, they give me the mic and I start talking and the microphone and the whole sound system goes out. Like out. I found out later that the production team didn't have any more gas for the generator, so the whole sound system went out. 
And so I'm standing in front of 2,000 kids, and they're all looking at me, and I have no microphone. But when God's anointing is on you, you don't need a microphone. And so I just started to talk like this. And guess what? You could hear a pin drop in that place. And you know what happened was when I took away the microphone, the kids all started to lean in. They all started to come up to the stage. It was, it was, it was weird. I'm no rock star. No, I'm just an anointed man of God. That's all I got. I don't even have a microphone in my hand. But you know what? I spoke that day with no microphone. And I think, I don't know, I counted maybe, I don't know, 500 people gave their life to Jesus. No microphone, no lights, nothing. Just an anointing from God. Can I hear a good amen today? Because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And so (laughs) you don't need what you think you need all the time. What you need is to know his name and who you represent when you show up. (laughs) Because his name is actually in you if you are a born-again Christian. The Bible says it's Yahweh, it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. Do you know that as a born-again child of God, His name is now in you. So when you show up, Jehovah Rapha shows up, your healer. When you show up, I I, I was thinking about this. This is a little deep. But if he is Yahweh Rapha, Jehovah Rapha, and he's in me, the healer resides in me. That's why the Bible says, If the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, it quickens your mortal body. That's why you got to stop looking around and start looking who's with you. Because you got backup. I don't even like to say it that way, but I don't don't know. Because he goes before you. But you got backup. Let me tell you this real quick story and then we'll end today. My life is, is pretty crazy and it was. Um, I lived in so many different places. I was counting the other day. From a, one time I was born to about 18 years old, we lived in 17 different houses. I went to four different high schools, uh, two of them in El Paso, Texas, uh, another three of them uh, in New Jersey. Sixth grade, I was in uh, Pennsylvania. I lived actually in Pennsylvania. I went to an elementary school there, and um, I was always the new kid. And so, I, I mean, literally in the middle of the school year, I would, <laughs> they would uh, go to another school. When I was in high school, I would arrive in the middle of the school. A lot of the kids thought that I was a narc, an undercover agent. So I, this was weird to me. I'd walk into the bathroom, and kids would start hiding stuff. And I, I didn't even know what was going on. And I found out later, well, you came in at the, you know, middle of the school year, so we thought you were an undercover cop. And I'm like, it's not my fault that I look like Johnny Depp from 21 Jump Street. I mean, I just, I just want to put that out there. I was a lot younger. Come on, you, some of you know who that is but in elementary sixth grade I I, I was learning things I didn't know that there was like actually like the toughest kid in school in sixth grade and I walked into the bathroom one time and this kid his name was Brett big old I mean I don't know what it is about the air in 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 Pennsylvania but those people are like giants I, I I have cousins and I look up to them all the time it's that air or something but Brett I was a sixth grade I was like five foot four he was like six foot three have you ever had any of those people in your school that you go like are you sure you're not like in high school and, and they're in elementary they have a mustache anyway so you know you just go and Brett walks in he's like hey Phil how you doing and I was like good man I was like you know hey Brett you know like everybody knew he was the toughest kid in school 
And he walked up to me. I was like, oh, man, he's going to beat me up. He said, hey, man, I like you. I was like, thanks, man. I, I like you, too. He's like, I just want you to know, man, if anybody gives you any problems in this school, I got your back. Brett's got my back. Man, I walked into the bathroom like this. I walked out of the bathroom like this. Because if you mess with me, you mess with Brett because he's got my back. But see, now as a born-again Christian, I carry the name of Jehovah Saba. And so when you mess with me, listen, there's somebody bigger that's got my back who's not only behind me and in front of me and around me, he is in me. So watch out. That's why you can't fear. (laughs) You can't fear. But here's what David knew. David knew that God's name was a gateway to his power. David didn't approach Goliath with the latest technology, with the latest weaponry. David didn't even mention that he would use his slingshot to take down Goliath. Instead, David, he came in the name of the Lord of hosts. I want to tell you this today. The name of the Lord is to be used by his people. This church is not a church that you come in and go, oh, that was really nice. Logically, you go, hmm, Jehovah Saba, what a great name. You need to walk out of this church knowing who you are and the name that you carry. So today, this afternoon or this week, when the enemy comes against you, you have to understand that you are not alone, that God wins every single battle. And he doesn't want to just give you a partial victory. David went to Goliath and took out his sword and cut his head off. Everybody say total victory. I am not saying that we don't thank God for little victories along the way. We need to. But I'm talking about having a total victory that David took out his sword and cut Goliath's head off. And he got his head and walked around and he showed everybody how to get ahead in life. Come on, somebody. Here's what I want to close with about our church. I don't want this to be something that is just in theory because it's good. Today, for it to become a revelation to you, you don't just need to hear it. Listen, listen. You need to receive it today. Our church, as we move forward, is going to grow. And I'm not just talking about numerically. I'm talking about you growing But watch this. The way that you grow is as we preach the word, you don't just hear it. That brings faith. But listen, the Bible talks about the parable of the sower, that you actually receive the word. That when we talk about God being Jehovah Saba, you see him in you. Can I hear a good amen today? That you receive that, that you don't just walk out and go, that was good. That was deep. What did he talk about? I don't know, but it was good. I'm talking about that you receive it on the inside of you. Why? So you walk in the revelation of it. So you are not just subject to people's opinions and perspectives. Because if you do, you will try to battle Goliath with Saul's opinions.
And so for me, as your pastor, I'm telling you today, this is what I want to live in. I want to live in revelation, not just perspective. I want to live in revelation, not just opinions. And here's the reality. David knew God's name. Personally. 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 And if you just live according to other people's opinions instead of revelation, you'll never see what God says is possible become possible. And when you have a revelation of what God said, it doesn't matter how big the giant is. I'm going to say that again. When you have a revelation of what God said and his name, it doesn't matter how big the giant is. My church family, do you have a revelation of God and his name? I'm not talking about your grandma. I'm not talking about your mom who prayed for you. I'm talking about you. Do you have a revelation of who God is? Because when you do, you will win. You don't win when you put on Saul's opinions and perspective. You win when you come in the name of the Lord. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.